Genesis chapter 8, starting in verse 15. Again, thank you all for being here. And then uh, I just invite you to, if you're a guest of ours, just let God do what He wants to do. Amen. You're part of the family. Genesis chapter 8 and 15, it says, And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark. Thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee, bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of the flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' sons, or his sons' wives with them, sorry. And Noah went forth, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with them. I want to talk to us for a little bit today. I must get them into the ark. I must get them into the ark. One more time, I ask you to put your Bibles down right where you're at. You don't have to stand up or anything, but why don't you just raise your hands and just ask God to have his way. Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, your word never returns void, God. Let it go forth today and fulfill its purpose and its design. God, anoint our ears, God. Remove, God, any filters, God, that would cause the seed to not fall on good ground, God. That, God, when it hits, it's going to take root in our lives and it's going to grow up. God, I pray for clarity and direction in each of us, Lord. Let your word do a work in this place today in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for all that you do, God. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Just clap your hands into the Lord one more time. Ha <laughs> ha. They changed my timer. That's all I got to do is say, hey, guys, change the timer, and they do it. Wow. All this time, I didn't know that. Most of you have probably heard of Noah. You've probably heard something of Noah. You've probably read a kid's story, something somewhere about Noah. But the story of Noah, man, I was, I've been studying this, and I'm like, I could preach 20 sermons probably out of this. There's so many things that just kept popping out to me. That's why I told him to get rid of the timer, because <laughs> we're doing it all today. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But the Bible talks about the days of Noah and the wickedness of the world in that day. It was, the wickedness of the world was just rampant. Everything was, the Bible talks about how bad it was that, that it was just everything, people were just living after everything but God. And God, in Genesis 6 and 5, in Genesis 6 and 5, this is the amplified version. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness, the depravity of man was great on the earth, and that every imagination or intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made mankind on the earth. Like, that's a pretty deep statement. The Lord regretted that he had made mankind on the earth, and he was deeply grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy, I will annihilate mankind whom I've created from the surface of the earth, not only man, but the animals and the crawling things and the birds of the air, because it deeply grieves me to see mankind's sin, and I regret, I regret that I have made them. 
it grieves the Lord when he sees sin. And we always, there's a great saying out there of a lot of people in church, they always say, but God, but God. You know, something's going on, but God. You know, and you could preach that, right? But verse 8 says, but Noah, but Noah found favor and grace in the eyes of the Lord. In this world of iniquity and sin and, and, and wickedness and everything just ungodly in the world, and so much so that, the God, that God is looking down at earth and he's saying, I'm, 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 I'm regretful that I even created mankind. He says, but there's this guy, Noah, that found favor with me. There's nothing new under the sun, the Bible tells us. The depravity and sinfulness of man has always been. Sin is still the same today as it was in the garden when Adam rebelled against God's commands. It's still the same thing. It hasn't changed. Sin is sin. Amen? It all comes from the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. All sin comes and is driven by these desires in man. Galatians 5.19 says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. It's not a complete list. It's an overview. Because he's saying even anything like any of these. He says, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not. Inherit the kingdom of God. People that are bound by these things and living in these things, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But those, that list of things there, that, that, that list hasn't changed over time. Like, I'm not sure exactly when Paul wrote this, probably like 50-something A.D. or somewhere around in there. And uh, yet, all this stuff is still the same. Sin has not changed. Rebellion against God still leads to the same actions and desires in our carnality. The real difference, I think, today compared to most of human history is the accessibility to sin. In Paul's day, if you wanted to uh, find out about how to do sorcery, you would have to leave your house, go find somebody that worked in that stuff, and then you would have to have them teach you how to do it. Today, I got an iPad and a phone. I can just touch it, and I can find all kinds of stuff on sorcery and witchcraft and all these things. If I wanted to go to the theater and watch something that was ungodly, that shouldn't be set before my eyes, that's evil, I had to get out of my house, go to the theater, spend the money, take the time to get there, sit there and all that, and, and, and then watch it. But today, I just... I can sit in my house and do it. I just clicked my little button and there it is. If I wanted to go out and be entertained by the gladiators, I had that was a big deal for people. It was, it was very prominent. But if I wanted to go out and be entertained by the gladiators, that was like a day process. Like you had to travel there and then you had to sit there all day watching this stuff and then you had to travel home. Cost you a lot of money. Today I can watch the gladiators the click of a button. I could sit there all weekend watching gladiators. I can get on Monday night and watch them and Tuesday night and, you know, whatever night. There's all kinds of stuff going on. In the early 1900s, you know, movies were just coming out. Uh, actual, like, picture 
motion picture movies was just coming out, but you still, even back then, you still had to go to the theater to watch them. You didn't have access in your house like we do today. So whatever they put on up there that you went to watch, those things, you're allowed, you guys understand that when I'm sitting there entertaining myself with something, I'm opening myself up to stuff. And if I'm watching something, Jesus said if you look, a woman, look at a woman to lust upon her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. So if I'm sitting here watching murder and strife and deceit and adultery or whatever, I'm just opening myself up to that spirit that drives those things. And when I entertain myself with that, I'm, the, the, the root word of entertain is enter. I'm just opening myself up for things to enter into my mind, into my thinking, into my understanding. Depends on the books I read, the music I listen to, the games, the stuff I look at on Facebook and TikTok or whatever we, we look at now. And today, that stuff is so prevalent. In the 1950s, you start having TVs in homes. Like that, that's the beginning. That was the 1950s, you guys. That's not that long ago. Some of you were alive then. Um, then about the, and then you get to the 1990s and that's when the internet really starts to take off. That's when the internet, it was out before that, but that's when it really started getting in the home. A lot of people had home computers now. They, they were able to connect to the internet, which then they can look up things and entertain themselves with all this stuff, right? And then you get to 2005 or so, I can't really remember, but, but then smartphones really begin to take off. And now it's not even just in my home, it's in my pocket and it's everywhere I go. I have access to about anything I want. Anything I desire to look at, I can figure it out and I can find a way to get to it. There's something on the internet about it. Amen. And that's all in my pocket. hundred years ago, you had to go to that stuff. You had to go find it. You had to be intentional about getting there. Nowadays, I can just order it. I mean, I think there was like a huge UFC fight on Friday night. I mean, you talk about modern-day gladiators, there you go. And all kinds of people sat around and watched that all over the world. It's all at the touch of our fingers. I don't know if you can order alcohol through Amazon. I don't know. I didn't check it out. But I can order about everything else from Amazon. Maybe the state you live in, that might depend if you can or can't. I don't know. But everything is right there. Everything. Anything I want to feed this guy, I can find it right now. I don't have to spend all day going to look for it. I don't have to find a certain person that's involved in this thing to teach me about it and show me about it. I could just, it's all over. That's what, sin hasn't changed. Sin is still the same thing. It's still the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life that drives it all. It's, the sins haven't changed. I think it's just the accessibility to the sin. But God's kingdom, it's still the same. God's ways and his character and his thoughts about sin are still the same and they haven't changed from the last 2,000 years and even before that, amen? 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Hmm. That word love there is to welcome, to entertain, to be fond of, to love dearly, to be well pleased with, to content yourself with a thing, to be content with it, to 
make yourself comfortable with it. We're not to welcome and entertain and be fond or love or, or, or be pleased with and contend ourselves with the things of the world or the things that are in the world. It says, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I don't know about you guys. I don't know about you, but I know what God's speaking to me. And I know God is calling people and he's calling his church to release their love for this world. And he's calling his people to separate themselves from the things of this world that we've allowed into our life. He's calling us to step away from the things that are causing our love and our desire and our hearts to be attracted to things that are ungodly. They may not totally be sin, but they're not of God. And he's calling us to separate that stuff more and more. I hear God crying out to the church, come out from among them and separate yourselves from this world and its entanglements. Separate yourself from the things that drive this world and that that drive the hearts of the world and the people of this world. Separate yourself from that. That's not of me. That's of the world. You know, there's like this... um, the election, the midterm elections going on. And, and it's so easy. We could get wrapped up in that, right? Like, they still don't have the counts voted. The votes counted. And I, I was just telling him, it's kind of funny when I wake up in the morning and I, have, I hop on there and I say, okay, let's see what happened overnight. And, and you know, this, this group, over the last four days, every time I wake up, they've gained something. This one's not gained anything. I don't know what's going on there. Just kind of interesting, right? But I can get wrapped up in that. I, I get wrapped up in that. Because there's things I see that's going on in our country that's ran by men and women in a city away from here, hallelujah, and they run this thing and they're directing it. And I don't like the way it's going. I don't see that being a lot of those things being godly things. But I can't get all entangled in that. I can't let my spirit and my heart get entangled in that stuff. God's going to work that out. I can't worry about what he's doing. He's the one in control in the end. I did my vote. I did my part. I'm done. There's nothing else I can do about it. Now I just have to trust God knows what he's doing. Amen. I'm not going to get entangled in that stuff. I used to. <laughs> I used to get fired up. Fired up. I'd be so, that's my wife. She'd be like, why are you even talking about that? Just stop it. <laughs> why, 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 why? I don't want to be entangled in that stuff. I don't want to be entangled in the things of this world. I don't want to be entangled with the things that drive humanity and mankind. I want to be entangled with Jesus. And I want to be entangled with what He's entangled with. And I don't want to be entangled with anything that He's not entangled with. If it's not of God and God has nothing to do with it, I don't want anything to do with it. More and more I feel God saying, come out from among them and separate yourselves. 1 John 2.16, for all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. All sin follows, falls under these categories. And we need to be very careful to evaluate what we're allowing into our lives and our homes. Because dad, because mama, we are the gatekeepers, gatekeepers of our homes. You are the gatekeeper of your family. You are the one that's been commissioned to be the gatekeeper of your home and your children. We have to evaluate what drives both our desire for certain things and also what is driving the things that we desire. 
What is the spirit and desire that drives those things in our lives to lust after them, to want them in our lives? That word to lust comes from a word that means to set your heart upon. That is to long for, rightfully or otherwise, to covet, desire, that you would lust after it. What are you setting your heart upon? What are you putting your attention upon? What are you letting draw after your heart? Are you loving those things? So the lust of the flesh, the flesh is the animal nature and cravings which incite us to sin. It's the physical nature of man is subject to suffering. The flesh denotes mere human nature, the earthly nature of man apart from divine influence and therefore prone to sin and opposed to God. Am I allowing the, the things that drive this carnal man, uh, uh, that what I'm allowing to get, let my heart be set upon and drive this carnal man? What I'm, I'm putting my attention upon in driving this carnal man, is it of God or is it of the world? Because all sin comes from one of these three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, or the pride of life. The eye, it means to, to gaze, that is, with wide open eyes, as something remarkable. What are you allowing before your eyes? What are you setting before your eyes? What are you allowing your gaze to sit upon? It, it is different than simply voluntary observation and merely mechanical, passive, or causal vision, but more emphatically, it's intensive and signifies an earnest but more continued inspection and a watching from a distance. What are you allowing to be in your eyes that's drawing your heart to it? What are you allowing your heart to draw your eyes to? What's driving that thing? What's leading that thing? Is it of God or is it of the world? And then, of course, the pride of life. It's an insolent and empty assurance which trusts in its own power and resources and shamefully despises and violates divine laws and human rights. An impious and empty presumption which trusts in the stability of earthly things. I know what is right. Oh, I see this thing in my life. Well, I don't, I, I don't really think I have to do that. Or I really think I can do this. It's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be the one that decides that. Who's your God? <laughs> Who's my God? What am I letting drive those desires in my life? Are these either driving my desire for something in this world or, or is it what I'm desiring being driven by any of these things? That's the question. What is driving it? Whether in me or in the thing itself, the spirit behind it. Because if they are, then it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And mom and dad, we have to understand that everything that we do is adding to the ark. Everything that I do, I'm adding to the ark. Everything that I let into my home and everything that I teach my family what is important and everything that I, that I show them is or is not acceptable is either strengthening or weakening the integrity of the ark that I am building for my family. And when the flood comes and when the door is shut... I don't want to have any leaks in the ark. I don't want to have any leaks in the ark that I'm going to put my family in. I don't want to have any places where rot can overtake my family's ark. I must remember that I am on a journey and I am building the ark 
This isn't about what I get to do or don't get to do. This is about building an ark of protection and strength for my family. And I must make sure that I get them into the ark. And I must make sure that the ark that I'm building is going to be able to keep them through the storms of life and through the trials that are going to come. Amen. So that one day, one day God's going to say, all right, Chris, bring your family out of that ark. Amen. And we're going to step into a place where there's no more sickness and there's no more death. And I'm going to worship the Lord and I'm going to glorify God. And my family's going with me. And I'm going to make sure that I'm building the ark. And I'm building it right. And I'm not going to let anything in this world corrupt that ark. I must get them into the ark. Matthew 24 and 37 says, For the coming of the Son of Man, the Messiah, will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and they were drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the very day when Noah entered the ark, and they did not know or understand until the flood came and swept them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be unexpected judgment on all mankind. So will the coming of the Son of Man be unexpected judgment. I can't imagine what it must have been like for Noah and his family on that last day. When God said, get in the ark. I just, I can't imagine what Noah and his family were going through. When they were climbing up that ramp to go into that ark. And they look back and they see probably their family and their, their friends and people they've known their whole lives. And they're all just kind of standing there like, what are you doing, Noah? You don't really got to do all that. What are you, all this stuff you've been talking about for the last 12, 120 years. What are you doing, Noah? We've never even really seen rain. What are you doing? You're talking about you're gonna, the world's going to be flooded? What are you doing, Noah? And as he stood there, and God, God, God shut that door. And as he began to shut that door, and he sees those people down there, I can't imagine what was going through his mind. Families and children and elderly people and all these people standing down there, and he sees them, and the door is just slow. And when it was shut, it was shut. God shut that door to make sure that Noah couldn't open it. I can't imagine what it was like for all those people as they realized that everything this preacher had been saying was actually now coming to pass. When they seen that door shut and those first raindrops began to fall, what went through their mind? They had heard the word preached they had heard it said for years, and then now it's happening. And mom and dad standing there with their little one, and they're like, whoa, what was that? Those were raindrops. I don't know, I'm not sure I even, well, I can't remember rain. I've never really seen rain. And all of a sudden it drops, and it drops, and it drops, and it picks up speed, and it picks up speed, and it picks up speed. And I can only imagine what was going through their heart and their mind. I imagine many of them ran up to that ark and started saying, let me in. Okay, Noah, let me in. Just let me in, Noah. Just open up the door. But he couldn't. He couldn't. Because when judgment comes, it's final. In the bud, in the midst of the destruction to come, there's a place of refuge. And there's a place of salvation found in the ark. 
God won't leave you without a way out of the destruction to come, but it can only be found in the ark. There's a place of safety that can be found and accessed if you're willing to go into it. There's a place of safety and refuge that you can take your family to, and it's called the ark, but I must make sure that I get them onto the ark. I've got to make sure I get them on the ark. 2 Corinthians 6.14, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's a whole sermon in and of itself. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord with, hath Christ with Belial or Satan? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk with them, and I will be their God, and you shall be my people. And because of this, because of this, I want you to come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. Almighty, you got to set some lines, Daddy. You got to set some lines in your home, Daddy. You got to make some declarations in your home, Mama, on what you're going to allow into the home and what you're going to allow into your children's life because you're building the ark. You're building the ark. You got to make some lines of demarcation in your home. You have to be conscious and aware and diligent about what you're allowing to be integrated into the ark that you're building. You have to make a choice about what you're going to let influence the structure of your ark. The ark had specifications and certain things that were allowed in the making of it. God told Noah what kind of material was to be used. He told him exactly what kind of material was to be used, which in so doing told him what kind of material was not to be used. When God told Noah to use this kind of wood, he was telling Noah also what kind of wood not to use. You can only use this type of wood, Noah, and nothing else because God knows exactly what is needed to keep Noah and his whole family safe when destruction comes. He knows exactly what Noah needs to use and to do to make it through the flood. So you do it exactly how I say, Noah. No compromise. No substitutes. No change in it. And your family is going to be fine, Noah. And when you get them into the ark, it doesn't matter what comes. They're going to be fine. I'm sure there was other wood around that could have, could have been used. That after some time, that would have been more convenient to gather as the, the wood he was using became less and less available. But the other wood would still be there. Easily accessible. But Noah wouldn't compromise. Noah wouldn't take the easier way because he had heard from God. He had heard from God and he was going to do it God's way. Mom and dad, sometimes the easier, more convenient way is going to present itself to you as you build this ark. That The way that won't be as much as a struggle and a fight in your life and in your family. But don't you compromise and don't you settle and don't you use your own understanding and rationality. You just keep the course. You just keep doing exactly what God told you to do. And when the time comes and when the struggles come and when the rains come and when the floods come you will rest assured that you and your family will be safe on that ark you won't have to question it you won't have to wonder about it you will know that they are safe and secure in the ark that you've built 
The exact dimensions layout of the ark was given to Noah. And Noah built it just as God commanded him to. Noah didn't question God. He didn't suggest another way. He just did what God told him to do. He didn't get distracted. He didn't get, start listening to other voices and other opinions about how it should be done. He did what God said. He was told how many doors and even the window and there's only one window to be in this and where they are to be placed in the ark and, and he pitched it on the inside and he pitched it on the outside to protect it and to keep it from the rot and the leaks and the bugs infiltrating it and anything else from this world that could corrupt or break down the integrity of the ark. He protected it to make sure that the thing was going to protect his family. And if it's done as God commands, everything's going to be all right. It don't matter what the world brings. It don't matter what the enemy throws at you. It don't matter what you go through. If you build the ark to God's specifications, it's going to carry you through that storm. It's going to carry you through that trial. Genesis 6 and 22, I didn't give this to you guys. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. All that God commanded him, so did he. Genesis 7 and 5, and Noah did according unto all the, the Lord commanded him. Genesis 7 and 9, there went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. Everything that God commanded him to do, he did it just the way God commanded him to do it. Everything. He didn't try to find another way. He didn't try to figure out how to do this a little better or that a little different or whatever. He just did it exactly as God told him to do it. Because when you build the ark the way that God tells you to build, that ark, that's going to not only save you, but it's going to save your family also. I must get them into the ark. i got to get my family in the ark. But I want to make sure that the ark I'm building is going to keep them. I want to make sure that the ark that I'm building is the one God wants me to build, not the one I want to build, not the one that the world wants me to build, but the one that He wants me to build. I, I heard this or read this little story a couple weeks ago, and it, it just kind of sparked all this. There's a woman, and she had wrote, she said, Tonight during the message, my nine year old son, James, Jay, came to the realization that the children that were not on the ark didn't make it. They died in the flood. This little boy all of a sudden realized none of the other kids made it. They didn't make it. And she said, he looked at me with such a sad and questioning face. And all that I could say was their parents didn't make sure that they were on the ark. The parents didn't make sure that they were on the ark. And she said, the weight of that statement still weighing on me. Dad, Mama, that is the weight of eternity. That is the weight of eternity. That should weigh and drive everything that you do. That is the weight of eternity that should weigh and drive everything that I do, of all the things that I can do in this world, of all the things that I can do for the kingdom of God, of all the things that I can do in this life, I must make sure that my family gets on that ark. I got to make sure that my family, I've got to make sure that my family gets on that ark. 
I must make sure that I'm building the ark to God's specifications so that when it comes time, my family, your families will be on the ark and they're going to be safe and they're going to be taken care of and it's going to be all right. Of all the things in this life that I can do and I can introduce to my kids, I must make sure that I built the ark for the saving of my family. It's really not about if something is right or wrong, but it's about is it making the ark stronger or weaker. It's not really about is this okay or is this not okay? How far can I get here? What can I enter into here? What can I bring in? It's not about that. It's is it making the ark stronger or is it making it weaker for my family? Because nothing is more important than making sure that I get my family onto the ark. And there's nothing in this life or in this world that's worth trading the safety of the ark for. There's nothing in this world that's worth trading the safety of the ark for. There's nothing in this world that's more important than getting the ark right. Because I must one day, I must one day get them on the ark. Music, if you come, I'm about to close here. Ah, Jesus. Noah, for 120 years, had sacrificed for the ark. For 120 years, he spent his life building this ark. He put all of his time into it. He put all of his sacrifice into it. He put all of his energy into it. He spent 120 years making sure that ark was built the way that God had commanded him. He made his sons give up much, I'm sure, for the ark. What all the other boys were doing in the neighborhood, they weren't allowed to be part of. Their lives were different, I'm sure, from everyone else's around them. And I'm sure they got ridiculed just as much as Noah did, if not more. All you young people that are in here, all you young people, let me tell you something. If your parents are building you the ark, and the kids around you that aren't interested in the ark are giving you a hard time and trying to make you question everything in your life and what your family is doing or not doing, trying to make you feel negative and resentful for the lines that your parents are using to build the ark, you don't listen to them. You don't listen to what they're saying. Don't let it get in your heart. Don't let it become you. Let it become bitter inside you against your parents where you then become strifeful with them. Don't you let that stuff grip you. Understand, they are building an ark for you to keep you safe in this world and the things to come you don't listen to them I know it can be hard I know it can be hard and I understand you may not know everything and you may not understand it all and it it may not all make sense right now but I'll tell you what I've heard from so many people that they had a hard time with living for God as young people, but their families were steadfast and they didn't waver and they built the ark. And when their kids grow up and they realize that their parents had built the ark for them, they look back and they're thankful for what God did through their parents to build that ark for them. Don't be resentful. Don't let people cause you to become resentful because your parents are building an ark for you. They're building an ark for you. Don't you listen to those that are trying to pull you away from the ark. You keep your eyes and your heart fixed on the ones that are building the ark for you. 
Don't you let what you're missing out on in this world cause you to be willing to walk away from or get distracted from the end of it all. Because this is all going to pass. This is all going to pass. There's going to come a day. It's all going to pass. It's not going to matter anymore. Don't you let what you have to do and sacrifice cause you to become bitter and resentful at the process because they are building you an ark. And one day, one day, that ark is going to save you from the destruction and the fate of the rest of the world. When we stand to our feet. I can just imagine what that was like being on that ark with all those animals. I got three dogs. I can't imagine what it would be like to be on there with all these animals and all this stuff that you deal with. Sometimes the ark smelled bad. Sometimes it was dirty. Sometimes it probably seemed a bit much to remain in the ark. I can imagine that there were some rough days inside that ark. I can imagine there were moments and times where it weighed on the hearts and the minds of the people in that ark. There was probably things required of those in the ark that, didn't al- that they didn't always want to do. They didn't always want to have to take care of the things they were taking care of, but yet they did it. There was even probably some things from their old life before they got in the ark that they wanted to do, that they remembered doing. But I assure you today, I assure you today that the worst day inside the ark was way better than being outside of the ark. No matter how bad it got in that ark, that was way better than anything that was going on outside of that ark. And all of the sacrifice and all of the dedication and all that was given to make sure that ark was built in that time didn't matter anymore. Because Noah and his family were safe on the ark. He made sure. He made sure he got his family on that ark. I have to have a heart and a desire. I've got to make sure that I get them onto the ark. I don't know what God's speaking to you. I don't know exactly what's going on in all your lives. But you're not here by accident. God brought you here with a purpose and a plan. And I'm going to pray that, God, you receive everything that God's speaking to you today and He's brought for you today. I wonder if you're with your family, if you're with your spouse, if you could get with your spouses, if you could get with your family. Young people, get with your parents. Come on, move around if you got to move around. If you need to step up here where you got more room, that's fine. Come on up. If you don't have any family here, get with somebody. Get with somebody in the church. Get with somebody. We're your family. Hallelujah. We're your family. Get with your family. Husbands and wives, get together. I want you to pray for your spouse right now. I want you to pray for your children right now. Young people, I want you to pray for your parents right now. I want you to pray the strength of God into each other.